Bow with me in prayer. Lord, take my lips and speak through them. Take our minds and think through them. Take our hearts and set them on fire with love for your Son, Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen. Please be seated. Well, for those of you that haven't been here the last couple of weeks or maybe visiting today, we've been doing a mini-sermon series, it's very specific, a mini-sermon series on the second half of Romans chapter 8. How's that for specific? And if you want to look at it, it's on page 1030 of your pew Bible, page 1030. But let me tell you, why it's a significant portion of Scripture, if you don't know. Romans 1 through 8 is known as the Gospel according to Paul, or Paul's Gospel. And Paul is summarizing the Gospel. And Romans 1 through 4 really, in many ways, is the presentation of the Gospel. And then 5 through 8, he's beginning to unpack and apply it to our lives. And that's pretty much what Romans 1 through 8 is. And when he comes to the end of Romans chapter 8, he's doing a powerful conclusion, a climax, speaking about the love of God. And so when you get to, for example, verse 18, he talks about the love of God impacting our sufferings. He already touched on sufferings in chapter 5, but then he picks up the theme again at Verse 18 of chapter 8. And what he says about the sufferings that we experience in this life, he says it doesn't even compare to the glory that we will experience when we come to him for eternity. Because any suffering we experience in this life is temporary. Think about it. For one thing, this life is temporary. But any suffering that we experience in this life is also temporary. That emotionally, physically, we move on. But what we experience eternally, the glory we will experience, goes on into eternity. Where it's perfect love and perfect joy and perfect peace. And then the next section... That begins in verse 26. He talks about our weakness. That we, in our human condition, experience weakness. We don't always like to admit we have weakness, but we all experience weakness at one time or another. In one way or another, we have weakness. We have weaknesses. And that the Lord helps us, strengthen us in our weakness, that we reach out to Him. That He's given us the power of His Holy Spirit, even when we cannot pray because we're so weak. And He's given us the body of Christ to encourage us and strengthen us. He's given us each other because none of us have everything we need. We need each other. And so the Lord gives us what we need. 
And if we have any question about that, all we need to do is look at the cross of Jesus Christ. The fact that God sent His Son for us. That we cannot earn our way to heaven. We can't earn our salvation. We can't be good enough. That our faith is not a faith of law. It's not a faith of earning your way. That it comes by the gift of Jesus Christ. That He came at all. That He came out of love for us. And then He went to the cross in our place for our sin. That God is not aloof. He's not removed. He came to suffer. He came to be weak. To identify with us. To take on our weakness. To take on our suffering. That we might understand the depth of His love. And then He defeated the power of sin. The power of death by the resurrection. That's the depth of His love. And that's what has led up to this point in the reading of Paul's gospel in Romans 8. So we get to this verse. Who or what can separate us from this love? When it comes right down to it, who or what can separate us from this love? And this word separate is a great word. And really, in many ways, there's a play on this word because... If you really understand the word holy, that we are called to be God's holy people. The word holy means separated ones. So the fact that we're called to God, that we're called by His Spirit, through Jesus Christ, to Himself, we are separated from the world, we're separated from sin, we're called to him. And so Paul says, what can separate us from his love? That's a great twist. It's a great play on the word separate. Because once we are separated from the penalty of sin, from the world, nothing, he says, Nothing, nothing external to us, no hardship, no evil, no sin. But if you caught what I said, nothing external to us, we have a choice. The only thing that can separate us from the love of God is our not choosing Him. When we don't choose Jesus as our Savior and Lord, then we are not separated from our sin. We're not separated from the world. We're not part of His separated ones and holy. So the only thing that can separate us from Him is our own choice. Let me draw an analogy. The analogy is marriage. For those of you that have been through the marriage vows, when you come to the beginning of the the service, early on, 
There's what's called the Declaration of Consent. In the Declaration of Consent, that's where you hear the words, in sickness and in health, for rich or for poor. You say, forsaking all others, as long as you both shall live. Forsaking all others. This is an exclusive relationship. You're saying, I'm done with everyone else. I have become the bride of Christ. He is the bridegroom, and I'm the bride. That's the analogy that's drawn in the Scriptures. This is an exclusive love relationship. What we're saying when we make our commitment to Jesus Christ, that he is our Savior and our Lord, we're forsaking sin, we're forsaking the world, we're turning our back on every potential idol that there is, and we're choosing Jesus Christ. So now we are separated from everything and everyone else, and nothing can separate us from him. Nothing external, no hardship. No challenge in the world, no natural disaster, no evil at the hand of another. Satan cannot separate us. Nothing external to us can separate us from his love. That's what Paul's saying. Because of the depth and strength of his love. We are bound to him in his love. And Paul is so strong in this, so trusting in his love, so strong in his faith, Paul says, for I am convinced. I am convinced. Let me ask you a question. What are you convinced of? What are you absolutely, positively, for certain, convinced of in this world? You know, I think about things that I was convinced of in the past as I was growing up. I was convinced at one time in my life, probably just like my own children were, that my parents were invincible and perfect. I think my kids were probably convinced of that at one point until they got to a certain age. Once. And then it goes by the wayside. I was convinced at one time in my life, because I was told early on, buy real estate as soon as you can, because you will never lose. So Meredith and I, a year after we were married, we bought a condo in Pittsburgh. And then the steel industry went... And we lost money. Then we moved to San Antonio for my second position. And we bought a place in San Antonio. And then the oil and gas went, and then the S&L crisis went, and we lost money again. We've owned a house here now for 25 years. We will not lose. <laughs> so I'm semi-convinced. 
I was convinced at one time that a hurricane would never hit Hilton Head in my lifetime. I stayed here to prove it. I was wrong. I was convinced at one time there would never be a war fought on this soil in the United States. I was wrong. 9-11 and the war on terrorism. What are you convinced of? You know what I'm really convinced of? I'm convinced of relationships. There is no question in my mind, and there never will be, frankly, of God's love for me. I've been walking with him for nearly 45 years now. You know what else I'm convinced of? I'm convinced of... My love for Meredith and Meredith's love for me. How do I know that? This month we'll celebrate 38 years. I've known her for over 40. That's hard to believe. It's also hard to believe she loves me that much, and I know it. Quit shaking your head, Keith. I'm convinced I will always love my children. I'm convinced I will never break 70 in golf. <laughs> Keith? <laughs> Except maybe putt-putt. What do you think? <laughs> What are you convinced of? And why? Why am I so convinced of love? Because of the power of God's love in Jesus Christ. That's why I'm convinced. What are you convinced of and why? And that's why Paul concludes... This chapter, his gospel, with nothing, nothing can separate us from the love of God in Christ. Why? Because he knows, as John would write in his epistle, God is love. In his essence, in his character, he's so identified, God is love. Jesus Christ is God incarnate. John saw it. Paul saw it. Because they know him. And their faith convinces them. And they experience that love. And I've experienced that love. Despite the challenges in this life. We've got challenges now. In this parish. In this diocese. I'm still convinced of the love of God in Jesus Christ. No matter what. It doesn't matter what the circumstances are. I'm still convinced. 
Because God is love. And He's got us. And Jesus went to the cross for our salvation. And that's what's essential. And God gave us a down payment in the person of the Holy Spirit to walk with us, to fill us. The first fruit of the Spirit, which is love. We don't need to question whether God loves us. We don't need to question whether He's there. Yes, there's challenges, and yes, there's pain, and there's suffering. And yes, we experience weakness at times. There's no question. But nothing needs to separate us from the love of God in Christ. Nothing. You know, the gospel reading that we had for today, the feeding of the 5,000, do you know that, that in the four gospels, there is only two miracles that are recorded in all four gospels? Two miracles. There's miracles recorded throughout the Gospels. Dozens of miracles. There's miracles that are recorded throughout Scripture. But there's only two miracles that are contained in all four Gospels. The feeding of the 5,000 and the resurrection. It shows Jesus to be Lord over creation and Lord over redemption. Everything that is and everything that is to come. He is Lord over. Why did he feed the 5,000? Number one, his own compassion. We read in Luke's gospel. He saw their need. And he reached out with compassion. And he fed them because they sought him. They followed him. They wanted to learn from him. And they were hungry. Jesus is the bread of life. And when we love him, we will never go without. Not what we need. Not what's essential. And when we thirst, the living water, the Holy Spirit, is always there to fill us. We need never go thirsty. Because Jesus is Lord over creation, and He's Lord over redemption. I'm convinced. And when we know His love, we can be convinced. You know, the reality is we strive after so many worldly things. We do. We strive after so much in this world. Everything in this world is going to end. Everything. Everything in this world has a shelf life, including you. 
what doesn't have a shelf life is our relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ and our relationship with those we love that we bring with us. That doesn't have a shelf life. Goes on for eternity. We don't know what the future holds. But we can know what eternity holds. And we need to trust Him. Romans 8.28 All things work together for good. Do you believe that? For those who love Him, He loves us. We don't need to worry about that. For those who love Him, for those who respond to the gift that He offers us in Jesus Christ, and for those who are called according to His purpose, not ours but His. And we don't always know His purpose, but we need to trust Him. No matter what comes our way, we need to trust Him because He loves us. And He has what's best in mind for us. For all eternity. I'm convinced. I know. The question is, do you? Because you can. If you just turn your heart and your mind completely over to Him. And trust in His love. You can know that for all eternity. Including today. Let's pray. Lord God, we thank you for the gift of Paul's letter to the Romans. In this powerful passage on the depth of your love. The power of your love. And how there's really only one thing that can separate us. And that's our choice. You've given us free will. But nothing outside of our own choice can ever separate us. Nothing in this world. No other person, no other thing. Lord, we thank you that you have chosen us in Jesus Christ. That you have given us the opportunity to receive the gift of your love. And that we could be convinced by the power of your Holy Spirit that all things work together for good. And that we can trust you for today, tomorrow, 
for what happens in this parish, this diocese, for what happens in our families, our loved ones. Lord, I pray that every person here will not leave this place without being convinced of your love, convinced of your grace, convinced of the gift of salvation through Jesus. That we might know the power of your Holy Spirit to change our hearts, our minds, our lives. Lord, help us to know that you desire to work all things together for good for us. And for all eternity. And to rest in you. Even when the turmoil, the struggle, the challenges and the pain come our way. To rest in you. We thank you for the gift. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.